whether you're traveling while black, white, Asian, whatever. At the end of the day, you just want to be welcome, treated like a human being. Just that level right there, that's all we're looking for because the fact of the matter is and why we do our show is that that's not the case for a lot of folks that don't look a certain way. Welcome to Power of Place, Stories of the Pacific Northwest. I'm Edward Krigsman. Last time we enjoyed a conversation with Stephanie Lyle and Riley Hall of Gig Harbor's Harbor History Museum. And they shared salty stories of the Puget Sound maritime communities by revealing some of the 20,000 objects in their collection. Today, our exploration of the Pacific Northwest touches on museums and even boat excursions, but extends far beyond. We meet up with travel vloggers who created the YouTube show Traveling While Black in Seattle. They're a married couple who travel to different places in and around Seattle, documenting how comfortable these experiences feel to them as black people visiting for the first time. And after three years, they've gathered almost 5,000 YouTube subscribers and 50,000 followers on TikTok. They've established brand partnerships with the Pike Place Market in the Seattle Space Needle. And their show has been featured on Fedors, Travel Noir, and King Five. In fact, TWB is fast becoming a trusted source with a black travel movement, a growing online community of influencers that are inspiring a new generation of explorers. So in today's episode, we will explore highlights from more than 100 episodes of Traveling While Black in Seattle. We'll look at how hearing from people experiencing a place for the very first time can bring fresh insights, even for those who know the place already. And related to this, especially for our white listeners, we'll experience how seeing a place you may always have felt comfortable at through the eyes of a black person can create a more complete experience of that place for all of us, sort of like the Technicolor scene in the original Wizard of Oz movie, when the image switches from black and white to full color. Today, we'll also take stock of our unfortunate national and local histories of racism and exclusion, and we'll see how black innovators and entrepreneurs, including our guests today, but also other black people before them, have found new ways to overcome these challenges, creating opportunities for fun and adventure along the way. And finally, we'll peek behind the scenes of a new lifestyle brand to see how it has been developed from scratch, relying mostly on social media. And we'll learn how these evolving online platforms have fostered direct connection with one's audience. And stick around at the end of today's podcast, our guests will share a new expansion of their mission. Let's drive around. So let's welcome our guests today. Anthony and Marley Love, creators of Traveling While Black in Seattle. Hey, guys. Hey, Hello. what's up? So great to have you. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> so excited to be here. So um, can you share a little bit about your journey? Where did you come from before Seattle? Yeah, so uh, we moved up here back in April of 2019. I moved up here with my job. I got relocated. Came up here. Um, from Missouri. From Missouri, <laughs> yes. From uh, uh, the St. Louis area. We got up here. Uh, our first original time coming up here was about 2015 with Marley's job. And we told ourselves, we're moving to Seattle. We uh-huh. said, we don't know how or when, but we're going to get there. And we kind of just focused on that. And just to see us here, it's it's crazy. What were your impressions when you first visited in 2015 that caused you to come to that conclusion? Well, it was in the summer. So that's the first thing. <laughs> we all know how beautiful Seattle is in the summer. Um, and we love the water. We love just 
the air, the mountains is just like something yeah. we've never seen coming from Missouri. For us, it was our first time coming up to the Pacific Northwest. I think growing up in Missouri, we would take the trips either to go to Chicago, Memphis, and then occasionally we'll go up north to Detroit or to the East Coast and down to Florida, but never to the Pacific Northwest. And so this was our first time coming up here and just to see the mountains and seeing the water and not just the ocean. I mean, you guys got lakes and then seeing uh, and not just one mountain either. You're surrounded by mountains and to find out these mountains are actually volcanoes. It was just mind blowing for us. And not just only that, but, you know, the people that we've encountered during that time was pretty different than what we were used to. So where did the idea for TWB come from? We knew when we moved up here, we just wanted to get out and to explore. And when we first got up here, family and friends were coming to visit us like in June, July, August. So we were out seeing things. And once um, fall came, we're like, okay, we really need to get out. Um, We took a trip up to Vancouver, British Columbia, just a one-day quick trip. And before we went, I was like, are there black people in Canada? Um, and I couldn't really find anything, but we're like, well, we're still going to go. And on the way back, we were like, you know, we still want to explore, but we're still having that question in our heads and waiting in line to, was it customs? It was get through customs, Get through yes. customs. Uh-huh. We kind of mapped out like, hey, we could answer this question for other people that are asking like us. And it can give us, um, we can actually get out and do things as well. And it just kind of came together like that. And what was episode one? Episode one, oh Bellwood God. Farms, I believe. So apple picking. Apple picking. <laughs> Today, a large portion of western Washington is timbered with fir, spruce, and hemlock. Sweeping eastward from the mountains are fertile canyons and valleys in whose rich volcanic ash cell grow the world's greatest apple orchards. So that was probably one of the best examples of uh, what we thought our show would do because we never did apple picking. And Mm-mm. I didn't feel like it was, at least the black folk we know, like ourselves, We it wasn't a, a hobby we would go seek out. So we said that would be a cool thing to check out. Mm-hmm. And so we went up to Bellwood Farms and did some apple picking. So was it a proof of concept or did it, was at that point we were really committed to episode two? You know, I think we were very committed because we knew we could do it and we just told ourselves we have to be dedicated and be consistent. So we said no matter what, on a Saturday we're going to get out. So after that first episode, we knew that we were going to at least continue going. Yeah, and, and I would say, so anything Marley and I do, we like to set out and just outline everything. So we come with a plan first. And so in building, you know, just the, okay, we want to do a YouTube show and saying, hey, what do we want to do a YouTube show about? And, you know, before we got to customs, we were throwing back ideas. And then we that's when we thought about, oh, remember the Green Book? And remember what Marley was saying about the questions we actually still had that the Green Book was to answer. It all came together, and so we wrote that out. And then it came to how are we going to execute this? Mm-hmm. And then that's when we start dividing up the show about adding the drive grade, the level of fun, and the comfort, you know. Welcome back, everyone. And as a brief reminder, our show is based on our experiences in and around Seattle. And we base those experiences off of how good of a drive it was, how much fun we had, and most importantly, how comfortable do we feel as Black people visiting for the first time? 
And in doing that, we said, okay, we got that. Now, how are we going to shoot? And we just came up with that process, right, of how are we going to do this? And so we knew the first episode we're going to do it. Nobody's probably going to watch. But we told ourselves, no matter how many views we get, mm-hmm. every week for the next year, we're going to have an episode up every Friday. And we just kept staying consistent with that. And uh, so I think once we put the pen to paper said we're going to do it, mm-hmm. we were barred in at that point. Wow. So you mentioned the Green Book, and also on your channel, you kind of bill yourself as a modern-day Green Book. So for our listeners that are not familiar with the Green Book, can you please educate us? Yeah. So the Green Book is basically Victor Green uh, made this book back in the day. And basically, it was just a guide for black motorists, showing them safe places for black travel. So it was a resource for black travelers, and it came about the time when a lot of black folks were starting to get automobiles, you know, and starting to traverse across the country. So it was an important resource, again, not just for the black folks in Victor Hugo's circle, right, but for black folks all over the country. And so uh, when we first came across a copy years ago, we were like, wow, they had something like this. And not really knowing until we started traveling ourselves that, you know, why, you know, Mm -hmm. they needed something like that. You know, I was thinking about, you know, the name of the show, The Power of Place, in light of this, just the fact that who has the power of a place and who is invited and who isn't, and it sort of can be ominous, Mm -hmm. right? But, you know, one of the things I learned through one of your episodes was The Portland Show, and I really wasn't aware. Yeah. It's interesting to me when how we learned about, you know, the history of the civil rights movement and before the treatment of black folks in in America, how we learned about it in in the Midwest, we weren't really taught about what was going on up here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. So when we moved up here, a lot of our folks, before we did that Portland episode, they would hint to us, hey, stay out of Oregon or or cover Oregon. And not until we started digging in a little bit did we find out that Oregon had these black exclusionary laws where it was illegal to be a black person, not just to own land in the state, but to be there. I mean, black people could only be there for a certain length of time before they would be punished. And the punishment was lashes and and things like that. And us learning about that when we were, you know, older adults Mm -hmm. was mind blowing for us that this is history, you know. And um, we did an episode on a gentleman that actually came from Missouri up here, tried to settle in Oregon, and got ran out and came up here to Washington. So that was a George Bush episode. George Bush. And I was looking, yeah. George Bush. I don't really get this. <laughs> I had to listen. Yeah. So tell us about George Bush. And he wound up in Tumwater. Yes. yes. Founded this uh, town of Tumwater. He was a, actually a pretty successful man. Um, came from Missouri to sort of escape the racism that was there. And, uh, you know, got to Oregon and voila, found more racism. But uh, luckily, you know, it was more accepting up here in the state of Washington to where he moved there to the area that would become Tumwater, helped found the the town and actually provided a lot of opportunities that built the town up. So that that was a pretty cool figure. So you started the show in 2019, and that was just before the pandemic, but also around the George Floyd murder. 
So yes, there is a history of racism and exclusion in Oregon, but there's also reality, particularly our black man, just driving around. So how did that affect your show? Yeah, for our show, I think um, after the murder of George Floyd, I think it kind of opened people's eyes a little bit more to say like, well, racism is still here. Like, it's still happening. People are getting discriminated against no matter if it doesn't look like it. So at that point, I will say like more people were coming to us with our show. Would you say that? And Mm -hmm. even corporations were like, we want to partner with you. We want to make sure that we are a safe place for other black people. And so that was a a big difference because before that people were like, why does it have to be called Travel Mile Black? What are you guys talking about? But then it's out there. It's on the news. And we're like, this is why we have our show and why we are trying to make a safe place for everyone. So then businesses were kind of as a result of this really open conversation about racism that maybe hadn't happened. So what corporations approached you? What were the conversations like? I mean, because you're, you're a brand new fledgling show. I think one that stood out for us is like the Seattle um, Concierge, Concierge Association. Association yeah. They reached out to us and they were like, we want to make sure that people coming to the hotels feel comfortable. And we are approaching people because sometimes when you walk up and you're not greeted a certain way or people don't say hello or they seem rude they like they didn't want to have that impression at the hotels in Seattle so that was great we just had a conversation with them on how when we travel how we would feel yeah. uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> in general I, I, I do want to point this out too which we thought was uh, that we acknowledged actually was that um, with all that that was going on and everybody everywhere was having the conversation the fact was, was still not everybody wanted to have that conversation. Yeah. So we thought ourselves sort of lucky in the sense to be living up here in Seattle to whereas an organization like the Hotel Concierge Association really wanted to have the conversation. So they reached out and for us to help them with the dialogue, have the dialogue. Whereas if we were back in Missouri or back in St. Louis, we know for a fact that Nobody would want to have that conversation. And for real, to tell the truth, I don't think we would have the success that we had have had with our show. We, we wouldn't even be able to do a show or create a brand like this. So you are entrepreneurs. It's so interesting to me, whether it's Bill Gates goes to Harvard, drops out, decides to come to Seattle. I mean, there is something about this place, and maybe, Marley, you identified that when you came. There's something about the Pacific Northwest that it is more of a meritocracy where people can come here. And maybe it's because the West, you know, it's the last frontier, you know, whatever. But there's something about this area that seems to attract entrepreneurship, innovation, you know. And so that's one of the reasons I do the show is to try to understand our guest perspective on why this place is special. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. You say it like that. I just knew when we moved up here, I'm like, life will just be different. I didn't know. I couldn't explain it. I'm like, I just know when we get up here, we try something. It's just going to be cool and successful. And I guess maybe moving away from home is mm-hmm. a big one as well. I'm, I think I feel like everyone needs to get away from home for just a little bit. Yeah. You can always come back, but yeah. just kind of helps you grow and stretch as well. So you started not just before the BLM movement, but before the pandemic which absolutely obliterated the travel industry. Yes. And yet you've prospered and generated followers. So I'd love to get your perspective on the travel industry as it relates to your show. And did the pandemic hammer you? Once the pandemic hit, we realized, okay, 
We can't get out. But how can we support our community? How can we support Seattle? So we started doing episodes on restaurants or um, things you could do outdoors, but a lot of Seattle-based things and Seattle-based businesses just to get their name out there and um, support them in this crazy time. It was it was wild. Yeah. It's ironic to us that the pandemic for us really had a it had actually some positives for us because with the pandemic, you know, the world slowed down, right? So we were able to kind of slow down and kind of put more focus. So like Marley said, at the beginning of it, we can't go nowhere. It's closed. So we pivoted and said, okay, how can we still provide value? Well, we can provide value. We got local businesses, black-owned businesses that are doing delivery services. Let's do episodes that cover that. And then we got to a spot where things were kind of opening up a little bit more. But because, you know, life was slowed down, we got to take our time and focus. Okay, now how can we maneuver and work within these constraints, these walls set up by the pandemic. So I think with the pandemic came the opportunity for us to really execute on things that allowed us to grow. So I think that we kind of were able to benefit in some ways from the world stopping because of the pandemic. So for this episode, we are going to switch it up and do what we are calling quarantine episodes. We want to give you guys like tips and suggestions on things and activities you can do to get you through this quarantine. On this week's episode, we are... Has there been more an emphasis on experience? I mean, that's one of the things I read is because of the pandemic, there's the great resignation. People are less focused on work, more focused on living, more focused on exploring. So have you seen that? And how has that shown up in your show? <laughs> it's even hit us, you know, like we, we look at our job. So Marley and I, we, we have full-time professional jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, this really looks like what we want to do, you know, like forever, like with our lives, with this, doing this, mission, have these conversations, showing people these new great places and being a resource for folks. That's what we want to do. You know, if we can trade in those 40 hours that we do doing the other stuff that's paying the bills, that would be idea. And I think that really came to light during the pandemic. Would you agree with that, Mar? Oh, 100%. I think you realize what's most important to you and you realize, okay, life is shorter. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So you might as well do things that make you happy and fulfilled and even though the bills are still there. So, but you make a plan. And you're of service to yes, other people. exactly. You know, in a very direct way, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I, we, it's so funny. We had these conversations before we moved up here. Mm-hmm. We were looking at our jobs and, um, you know, we say, man, we do this work. We get praised for doing good work. But what real value does our work have to the, everybody outside of our corporations we work for and we yeah. can really see it maybe it's some third way it does but but with this stuff it's, it's awesome when we have folks that reach out to us and say they've been living here for 20 plus years and had no idea you go apple pick it up in bellwood farms <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying so that really gives us joy it gives us uh, excitement to keep going So I asked our guests to bring in an item that they care about and uh, was wondering if you had done that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just have a little placard. It says home and it has the states of uh, Missouri and Washington on it. And at our going away party, one of my friends um, got us this and it just kind of shows, you know, we're from Missouri. That was our original home, born and raised. And now like Seattle's our home. So we always have this up in our background. Um, So you'll always um, be able to see that and we always like to say, this is our home. Yeah. Now. So I bought actually a globe 
So I've had this globe since I was uh, eight or nine years old, and my grandma Love got me this globe. She used to work for a museum, and I don't know how she got the globe. She was giving the globe or whatever, but she gave it to me. And I just remember, you know, when I was growing up, I, I'll be in my room, and I'll spin this globe, and I'll analyze this globe, and then blow my mind out, you know, just messing with the time zones and just seeing how big the world is. I think this hindsight really kind of influenced my motivation to get out and travel. And my grandmother, you know, she didn't have the funds to really take us on trips everywhere, but... I kind of smile because that's her contribution to what I'm doing today, right? She planted that seed that said, hey, this world is so much bigger than Winsville, Missouri, and these cornfields you're looking at every day. Mm-hmm. It's This is it. Micro, go out there and see it macro. And, and uh, so I like to keep that globe around just as a reminder for that. So let's switch and talk about technology for a minute. So you have other jobs, but you've been using these platforms, right? You've started with YouTube, now TikTok, that have basically allowed you to launch a brand and do something that you love. And so can you share how these platforms have allowed you to achieve what you have so far? So I would say at first, TikTok, we had 200 followers at the beginning of this year in 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're at 50,000 in like six months, which is crazy. But we realized that, you know, we have to use social media to get our brand out there. And starting with YouTube, we knew YouTube is a game changer for a lot of people. A lot of brands, people love YouTube. So we said, we're, we're going to be on there, but we always knew to create content of quality. So that was the first start. Um, Anthony's great at editing everything and filming everything. So by taking his videos and the beautiful quality and putting that on YouTube, I knew it was going to be easy already for people to watch it. It was just going to be nice, visually appeasing and everything. But, um, with TikTok, it's just research <laughs> and learning. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like, It's like the trends, these yeah. algorithms. So what have you learned and how has that helped? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, at first it frustrated me. because So Marley, was, she was on the forefront of it. She was like, we got to get on TikTok, we got to get on TikTok. And then one day she said, I think I cracked the code. So we started making these videos and our growth started happening. And it kind of frustrated me that, you know, we do these episodes and it take like eight hours to do these five minute episodes. And we put our time and, you know, give it layers to the story. And then we do this 10 second video and it's got like 30,000 views. I'm like, what? What have we been doing? And then, so that, that kind of blew my mind. I was like, why are we doing all these five-minute videos? But still, there's value in that five-minute videos. But one question is, with the videos, you've got three sections, right? There's the drive time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's the fun Ooh, fact. Fun, the, yeah. you know, And then there's comfortability, the black comfort meter. So what has to go when you shift to the TikTok platform? The mm-hmm. drive grade and the yeah, level, level of fun. fun. It's, <laughs> it's only comfort, yeah. Yeah, yeah. comfort level for black people. Yeah, yeah, why is that the one thing that sort of hangs on? into that medium? Um, well, I think just because like our show, since it's called Traveling While Black, we want to make sure TikTok, you get straight to the point. And it's like, this is how comfortable you feel as black people visiting here in 60 seconds. And I think that's, yeah, that's why we had to, to do it. Yeah. And I've learned on TikTok, um, you want to educate people, you want to either be funny, you want to inspire. And so our brand of TikTok, it's education. So we are educating people on how comfortable we feel as black people. So every video has that type of factor. Even if it's funny, even if it's inspirational, we're still educating individuals. So I think that's why we had to keep it as the um, comfort level of black people. 
And what kind of requests out of the TikTok channel, what has come out that is surprising or interesting to you or that has guided your ship a little bit? Just the one for us to go do this everywhere else. Because we knew there's a need for it, but yeah. to see it actually, people writing it out and coming from almost every post and not the same person is really telling that there's actually a um, a want that people want to see us do this in other places. So I think that's kind of been surprising. And it's based around the safety of, of a black person of traveling to these places. So that's mm-hmm. incredible. It mm-hmm. is because, you know, we started the show and we're like, okay, we, we have this question. We don't know. We think everybody has this question, but just seeing... Sometimes like millions of people being like, yes, this is what we need. We really want this. It is validating. I want to acknowledge you have great respect for your audience in the sense that you don't generalize. You go to these places, maybe they're in the country, maybe there's a bad reputation, racism or whatever, and you don't encounter. You have a positive experience but you don't invalidate the experiences that people have shared with you. And I think that's great that you really strike that balance. You know, it's a nuanced conversation. Yeah, we try to do that purposefully. And we always say, you know, this is just our experience. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, dropping in one day, it could be, it's, it is totally different than, you know, someone that lives there or maybe, you know, maybe we caught it on a good day or whatever it is. But we just try to speak to our experience and let that be kind of a just, you know, make people, if we have a good experience, feel good about going and trying it out themselves. But if we tell them, let us know how your experience was so we can let everybody else know because it, it's going to take a lot of folks to really give you a good, real, true feel on a, on a place. So can you give an example of that maybe where you had a really great, you know, it was a five in terms of comfortability, but then you got comments that made you rethink that? Yeah, go Oh, well, yeah. Um, well, I think we ended up going to Bellingham. That was August of probably 2020. We ended yeah. up going there and we were like, oh, this is nice. We had a great time. It was a beautiful area. But my TikTok, lately I've been getting comments about like, watch out for Bellingham. Bellingham has a pass. And I was like, no idea. (laughs) No idea about that. But we had a good experience. But again, this is our experience. We're here for one day. So if you... um, I have a good experience. I thought Mars, you was going to talk about a, a recent one was a Spokane. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. because e- that was our first time going to Eastern Washington, and yeah. everybody warned us about Eastern Washington. So we was like kind of like bracing ourselves, <laughs> like, nervous. okay, we're going to go. We're going to do this. And we got there. We had an unbelievable experience. And I say unbelievable, it was like we really couldn't believe it. It was like, yeah. what? What's going on here? We kind of we like this place. Is, yeah. is that because your expectations had been moderated by people's comments? We thought that, but... It really, it was crazy. Like, just like, for instance, we walked into this winery. The folks looked at us, but they looked at us and it was like, hey, because we had the camera and they just bought us some wine. We didn't tell them we were shooting a YouTube show on what we did. We just said, hey, we're just vlogging. Is it cool to film? Like, yeah. Well, then just random strange walked up, bought some wine. We sat at his table, talked to him and his wife and talked about their history of Spokane. And then we started talking about our show. And then the uh, establishment gave us a tour of the place, you know. Again, not knowing of our reach and really what we really do. Just, hey, this is, you know, welcome, you know. And and then even walking down the street, I think we've seen, like, more black folk and we just had a really good experience that we really wasn't expecting. Now look, dropping into a city for a day is a lot different from living there. So we can't discount what we heard from others' experience. But for our experience, we were made to feel comfortable our whole trip. Did they know we were coming? 
We really enjoyed our trip to Spokane, which to be honest, we weren't expecting, but we did. So let's shift a little bit away from audience engagement and then a little bit more about working together and your roles and responsibilities and how you pull this off, how you make this work as a couple. Well, we both have our strengths. Anthony's strengths are filming, editing, creating a great quality product, and writing. Great writer, writes all the scripts. I just read them, memorize it, like that's it. Um, So he's really, really great at that. And then my strengths are just social media and making sure we film those like TikToks and follow the trends and I research what's trending, what's not trending, what are people saying, and just keeping that, again, audience engaged and commenting back and thanking people, replying to emails. So that's kind of how we split our roles. Um, Which is crazy for me to watch because, like, I know Marley's saying, like, you know, I'm really good at the editing and the filming and da-da-da-da, but I am impressed by her ability to just really respond to almost every comment, you know, because it's like, you know, you're maintaining relationships right and and she does that and able to keep up with that and even like knowing the analytics that when she brings this silly trend to me i'm like mars come on now for real she's like just do it just <laughs> like, do it so we'll set it up TikTok. and do it and then all of a sudden sure enough she's got a bunch of views and we get more followers and more people coming on youtube i'm like okay <laughs> it's just that, that that blows my mind but a lot of it, though, the, the the secret to tell the truth is that uh, Marley and I are like best friends. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like the foundation of our relationship. And uh, when we approach anything, we go at it as like a true team effort. And uh, yeah, yeah. knowing each other and being that, you know, that close to each other and, and recognizing each other's strengths. And, and if we do slack off in any area, just having to trust that the other person to be able to hold us up for a little bit so we can get back on. So I think that's a, a lot of it. Just our teamwork is being friends. And you've discovered a vocation where you can do it together versus being in this sort of artificial world of going into offices or whatever and being apart. So it's actually a pretty cool discovery. It is. It is. You know, we, we was, we, it's just almost like a sense where it's the uh, only time we would travel is when we had the vacation time and then we'll go yes. do all the work to do to go travel, you know. But now it's like... We get to travel together and do cool stuff. You know, it's work, but at the same time, it's fun work and it, and it has value for people. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's perfect for us. Yeah. Fun is the key word. Making sure we have fun when we do this show True. because it is the weekend since we work 40 hours a week. So yeah. he's editing after hours. I'm replying to comments after, you know, hours. But like on those weekends, we're like, we're filming, but let's have a good time. So we always ask our guests to share a place in the Pacific Northwest that matters to them. And I was wondering if maybe Marley, you could start. Yes. Um, so my place, it's kind of random. It's the Purple Cafe uh, restaurant downtown. So when we first came here in 2015, my boss was living up here. And she was one of the best bosses I've ever had. But she um, tragically passed away from cancer a few months after we moved here. But she planned this huge party for me and my other coworkers and some other partners up at the top of the Purple Cafe. And I just remember us just having a great time. And after that, we left and took a walk on the pier, Anthony and I, and we're like, wow, we really want to move here. So that restaurant's always like cemented in my mind. And I just, it brings great memories. Lovely. Thank you for sharing, Marley. Anthony. Uh, For me, I have to say, I think uh, it's the pier, right? The pier is where we kind of made that decision. Like Molly said, that night, I remember after dinner, we actually walked all, all down the pier and walked to Statue Park. And somehow, I, 
I guess it was late. It was probably like one o'clock in the morning. We're just walking the pier, right? And we, I remember stopping and, and uh, there was this statue and we just looked out at the water and, and the lights and was like, you know what, we're gonna move here. You know, we're, we're gonna do it, we love this place, it's official, let's move here. And it was that spot that, you know, we kind of said, hey, we're gonna get here. Not knowing, at the time, didn't have the jobs that we have now that mm-hmm. got us up here. Uh, not knowing how we were gonna get up here, we just said we we're gonna do it. And so like, when we think about back to that moment, I think uh, being on the pier, that's what's really, uh, that's kind of like this location up here that kind of uh, resonates with us in that moment. If we said, man, this is home. (laughs) This will be home. Well, we had a guest recently, Lisa Fruchante, who runs a place in Tacoma called Alma. And I asked her, um, through her whole life, she operated venues that serve food and basically hospitality. So I asked her for her advice and she said the key is just to welcome people, just to make them feel welcome, share food, have a conversation. That's the key for her. And so for you, I want to turn the conversation around. Traveling while black, you're going to these different places and you're articulating whether or not you feel comfortable. So spinning that around, maybe for people that likely said operate venues and cater to all people, including black people, what is it that they need to do to create a sense of welcome? She hit it right on the head, what she said, just being welcoming, having a conversation. Whether you're traveling while black, white, Asian, whatever, at the end of the day, you just want to be welcome, treated like a human being. And so being cognizant of that, you know, going out for everybody that walks through your door in your establishment, if you maintain that, just that baseline, to me, I think you're doing a lot. And anything after that is is going beyond. But at, at just that level right there, that that's all we're looking for. Because the fact of the matter is, and why we do our show, is that that's not the case for a lot of folks that don't look a certain way, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I would just say um, just continue to educate yourself on things and have an open mind. Because sometimes we might realize we're like, well, I'm nice to people. I don't understand that. But it's like, well, just understand what, you know, people of different races go through and like the history behind it so that you can be knowledgeable about it. I think mm. that's a big thing. Just continue the education and learning that diversity, getting the diversity training, because it really does, it yeah. really helps. So you are expanding your vision, and it sounds like by popular demand. So can you share, bring us under the tent? Yeah. So we are trying to launch a new series. And so a lot of folks are asking us to go outside the Pacific Northwest. So that telling us there's value out there and us wanting to do it, we're saying, okay, how can we do that? And what we thought of doing was starting a new series, going to be five episodes, starting off, we call this the first season, but we got five places and I take that back. We got four places for sure, and there are probably about four other places that folks can actually vote on that if we you know where they want us to go, um, that we would go visit, film it in five episodes, and do this new series that would be separate from our YouTube series. Um, and so is we're going to call it Traveling While Black, Working Name, Across yeah. North America. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, essentially, that's what we're doing. Going to try to get out there and um, produce this new series and, and launch it. And it will be on the same platforms, though? 
So the difference with these episodes, they're going to be a little bit longer, probably about 30 minutes, because when we go there, we want to spend a little bit of time. We want to interview other um, black people in these areas as well and provide more history. And we hope to produce it at a high enough quality that it can be taken to a network or a bigger platform than our YouTube and then um, extend it to hopefully travel on black across Europe. Just all over the place, eventually. Yeah. Our vision is to be a worldwide brand because there's black people all over the world. And black people that are in Europe, we want them to come over to the United States. And the black folks in the United States want them to go to Europe. But we want to be that resource. And we think by doing a show to where it's instead of the five to seven minutes we do on YouTube, we can do something that's about 30 minutes. It gives a little bit more insight by doing interviews with local black folks living in the community and also delving into the history so folks can understand the history of the area leading up to our visit and then showcasing that area. And we think by starting in North America, doing five episodes, we can kind of see how that goes and to see if it's as successful as we think it would be. And if so, I think that'll give us a lot of confidence and also showcase anybody else out there with a little bit more funds than us, that uh, this is a good idea. That's amazing. Yeah. So what will be the locales? So for um, the four episodes or the four cities we have now, it's um, Montreal, Canada, um, Cheyenne, Wyoming, um, Martha's Vineyard, and Manhattan Beach, California. And then the fifth city, um, there are four choices that people can pick. It's I'm going to butcher the name. It's a city in Mexico. It's a historically black city in Mexico. Um, Lima in Costa Rica. And that's kind of like a historically black area in Costa Rica. Um, Nantucket. Nantucket, yeah. I think there's one more. We can't remember. But well, they're just going to have to go find out. They're going to find out. out. So we say that because we started Kickstarter to help us um, fund this adventure. And if you pledge at least $5 to the Kickstarter, you will be able to vote for the fifth city that we can go to. Awesome. And, and how do they find the Kickstarter? The Kickstarter? Make a contribution? Yes. It's um, on all of our pages. So on our social media links like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TWB, Seattle, on all of those, or our website, travelingwildblackseattle.com, there will be a link to the Kickstarter. Awesome. There. We'll encourage our listeners to go take a look and vote with their dollars. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you so much. We, we appreciate anything. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for being our guest today, Marley and Anthony. Hey, thank, thank you, you for having thank us. Thank you so much. It was a fun awesome. conversation. Oh, we had a blast. Thank you. To learn more or engage with Anthony and Marley, check out TWB Seattle on TikTok or their YouTube channel, Traveling While Black. Join us next time for a conversation with theologian and novelist Mary Lane Potter as we explore some of the spiritual dimensions of place. What if God was a place? Have you ever had the sensation that certain places, whether churches or mountaintops, are more sacred than others? Well, if you've had those questions, you'll want to listen in. Mary received her PhD in Christian theology from the University of Chicago Divinity School and taught theology at Christian seminaries across the country. Work she left from a tenured position in academia to pursue a literary career in 1991 after converting to Judaism. This upcoming episode will be like an honest conversation with a wise friend about the deepest matters of the heart over warm tea. So regardless of your spiritual background or perspective, you won't want to miss Mystical Illuminations of Place through the poetic insights of Mary Lane Potter, just in time for the darker days of the Pacific Northwest winter season. Be sure to join us. Thank you for joining us today. 
Sound engineering by Daniel Gunther. Photography by Brandon Williams. Production support from Mary Barbour. Theme music written by Toma Nakayama and performed by Grand Hallway with additional music by Andrew Weathers, as well as by Ryan Love and performed by Fox Hunt. We record on Coast Salish land in the city of Seattle at the Jack Straw Cultural Center in Seattle's University District. I'm Edward Krigsman, and you've been listening to Power of Place, stories of the Pacific Northwest. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review or subscribe to us. And if you know of a place in the Pacific Northwest that matters to you, please tell us about it. We'd love to hear your stories. 